For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike Catano. to welcome you to North Star this morning as we continue our series through the life of David. It's gonna be a fun one today. So I'm gonna let you get ahead a little bit. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter two. That's where we're gonna camp out here shortly. If you've got your app, North Star Church, Georgia in the App Store. If you've never downloaded that, that is a great way to keep up and move along. But I'm so glad you are, you are here, here in Compass, True North, watching on, on the patio today, for all of you watching online. How many of you in the room today, today is your first time back live in the room? Raise your hand if that's you. Wow, would y'all welcome all those folks back today? So good to see you. Man, it's good to see you. It's, it's fun to watch at home, but there's nothing like being live. There's just nothing like being in the room. It's like being in a Braves game. I don't know if that's a good illustration, but anyway, so I might want to watch it on TV right now that I can leave a little earlier, but it's great to have you back in the room and great to have you here today. We continue the story of David. David the king, right? David the young kid out doing his thing, tending the sheep, and the prophet shows up and tells Jesse, one of your sons is the next king. And remember, Jesse didn't even bring David in for the showing. He brought in all seven of his brothers. He forgot David. David was out in the field. He was too young. He brings him in. And you remember what Jesse said. He said, he's the one because God does not look at the outward appearance like man does, God looks at the what? Does anybody remember? The heart. David had the heart. In fact, it's also said in scripture that David was a man after God's own heart. Not only was he had a good heart God could use, he was a man who chased God's heart. But we also know this about David. David didn't always make always the right decisions. I'm sure there were points and, and times in David's life where David didn't do the right thing. Today we're gonna talk about, the very first thing we're gonna talk about today, first little blank there in your outline, is how David had to overcome the giant of pride. Long before he met Goliath on the battlefield, David had to get through another giant, an unseen giant, that every person that walks the face of the earth battles at some point, and it's the, it's the giant of pride. Pride says, I deserve it, Pride says now, pride says elevate me, pride says look at me, pride says it's on my timing, on my terms, and my station at, at this moment. That's what pride says, and David had to overcome pride. Now, were there moments in the journey where David probably got prideful? Probably. There's a great Greek phrase for getting prideful, and, it, and it's used here in the South, it's called getting too big for your britches. All right, any of your moms ever tell you, you're getting, how many of y'all that was ever said to you, you're getting too big for your britches before they swatted your britches? All right, and so that was the phrase that we used. Were there moments that was true of David? Probably, but it wasn't true long-term of David. David was a guy that somehow chose humility over pride. It's interesting. You can never be a person that God is gonna use long-term and choose pride over humility. We're gonna talk about why as we go today. David lays out a picture while he's living out this journey we're gonna talk about here in a second. While he's living out this journey, he lays out a picture for us 
of what it looks like to overcome pride. But Jesus laid it out as well. Philippians chapter two, would you stand with me today in honor of reading God's word together? Jesus, the son of God, God with skin on, he's always been, he's always been with the father. God sets his redemption plan in motion and he sends Jesus to be here. So yes or no question. Was Jesus still God, part of the Godhood, part of the Trinity, while he even had skin on, yes or no? Yes, now I want you to read this. Philippians 2, verse five. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. That word attitude is everything. In fact, David chose to have the attitude of a servant. Listen to what he said. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus got two options, humility, pride, and he lived out humility. That was the attitude he chose. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Would you pray with me? Father, today, this is a ancient story with incredibly relevant truth. To what kind of mom I am, what kind of dad I am, what kind of friend I am, what kind of leader I am, what kind of coach I am. God, today you laid out in your word a pathway of humility. Father, my prayer is today is that we will follow that pathway to you. Father, that is my prayer, and I pray it now in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So I want you to write down a word there in your outline, the word's attitude, attitude. Here's why the word attitude's really interesting. The word attitude is a choice, right? We choose our attitude, good or bad. It's a choice. We can look at something one way or another way. If there was a word probably set around my house growing up, more than any other word, it was Attitude, I don't like your attitude. I don't like the way you responded. You need to correct your attitude because attitude is something we have control over, right? It's something that we all, we all get a choice with our attitude. Zig Ziglar, the old business management leadership guy, he used to say this all the time. It's your attitude, not your aptitude that determines your altitude. No, it's true. It's true in David's life. It was your attitude. It's how David handled situation. It wasn't what came at David. It was when it came at him, what did he do with it? We find three things that David did with it. Number one, David believed the small stuff was as important as the big stuff. David believed the small stuff was as important as the big stuff. All right, time out real quick. Pride says big stuff matters. Humility says all stuff matters. Pride says when everybody's watching, you turn it on. Humility says I gotta work the same all the time whether everybody's watching or not. And David chose that attitude. So David had a role. Let's read about it. 1 Samuel 16, 11 this is prior to him being anointed king. Are these all the sons you have? Well, they're still the youngest, 
but he's out in the field watching the what? Sheep and the goats. All right, so let's, um, let's talk about this. So you had, you, you had um, meaningless jobs, you had household chores, you had stuff nobody wanted to do, and then you had tending the sheep. There was no Sheep Herder of the Week awards in the local Bethlehem Gazette, all right? And so it didn't exist. You didn't, you didn't keep up with them. You didn't know what they did. It was the lowest of the low tasks. Now, what's interesting about it is you not only find David doing the sheep here, after David's anointed the king, you find him tending the sheep again. David didn't have to do that. David could have played the whole, uh, excuse me, gentlemen, I'm the next king, and I choose not to do this anymore. And because I'm gonna be the next king, I will take names of everybody who does not treat me right, and one day when I'm king, I'll pay you all back for it. That could have been David's attitude. That's beneath me, that's below me, but David chose to believe the small stuff was as important as the big stuff. We don't mind doing the small stuff to cut our teeth, but we don't want to keep doing the small stuff after we've earned what's next, do we? See, David, David had an incredible ability to remember this, and I want you to write this down. This is what helped me remember. Nothing is small if God is watching nothing. And while David was being a shepherd, what he could see, God was preparing him for something he couldn't see. Does that make sense to everybody? David didn't know all the things he was being prepared for. Well, this is a waste of my time. We say this all the time at North Star. God never wastes our time and he never wastes our experiences. He uses all of them to create who we are today. They were forged in times that we just didn't even see. David understood the small stuff is as important as the big stuff. I want you to write this little thought down and we're gonna break it out. Serving and obedience, write this down, serving and obedience keep envy and bitterness from our hearts. Serving and obedience keep envy and bitterness from our hearts. And I will tell you this, envy and bitterness lurk around the door of all of our lives. They're waiting and they will get you at any point. The minute you go, I will never be that way, you just became that way. It lurks, it stands there behind our life. So let's, let's set the story of David, okay? David is anointed the next king. Big deal, correct? I mean, that, that's a big deal. You're gonna be the next king. You're the next president, and there is no four-year term. It's like you're gonna be in there as long as you can hang on to it, okay? Saul is the defunct king. He's the one that God says, Listen, my, my anointing's not on Saul anymore. I've got to choose another king. David knows that. Do you know how long David waited to become the king? Not 20 minutes, not 20 days, not 20 months, 20 years. David waited to be the king 
for 20 years. Some of you are gonna pull in the Zaxby's drive-thru when we're done today and there's two cars in front of you and you're gonna be ticked, all right? And so you don't like waiting. David waited for 20 years. 20. How many times in those 20 years did David wanna go, you guys know who I am, don't you? I'm the guy. David, we have no record of David ever doing that. Because David didn't consider any task too small, I believe he was able to keep envy and bitterness from his heart when it would have been so easy for envy and bitterness to rule. And listen, guys, we are human. You are not superhuman. None of us is above this. None of us is past this. None of us have reached this elevated place where we don't think we deserve this or the timing isn't right or I need this now. 20 years David waited. 20. David goes from being a child to a young adult. David was waiting. And in that, not only was he waiting, he ended up serving the one he was gonna take his job. Point number two, this is, this is big. This is why David was able to wait. David believed that how you wait was more important than that you wait, how you wait. You know, 1 Corinthians said, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of the Lord. That's how David lived out his life. How you wait is more important than how long you wait. So let's talk about this real quick. Let's just, a little honesty poll. How many of y'all would go, I don't like waiting? Raise your hand. How many of you would say, I really don't like waiting? Raise your hand. How many of you say, there is no sentence to capture how bad I hate waiting? Raise your hand. All right, that's, that's where most of us live. Um, David, David figured out that how you wait is as important as how long you wait, M- meaning this. Do I wait expectantly or do I wait impatiently? And here's why this is a big deal. Get this now. If I'm impatient, I want it on my time. If I'm expectantly waiting, I know God's time's the best. You could throw in any category. Job promotion. Something with our kids. We always wanna expedite the timing. All all of us, all the time. How many of y'all look back in your journey and you wanted something so bad you didn't get, you look back now and go, I was not prepared for that. Whatever it may be. Could have been a relationship, could have been a job, could have been a season of your life. How you wait is way more important than how long you wait. Here's the question that happens in waiting. I want you to write this down. Do I trust God? That's the question. Or do I trust me? David waited for 20 years for something he knew God wanted, but yet he was faithful. Here's the story. This is is a great story. 1 Samuel 16. 
One of the servants said to Saul, the king, who David's gonna replace, coach and waiting, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem, he's a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of war, has good judgment. He's a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, send me your son David the who? Help me out. David the who? Oh, he was David the king, but not Saul. He was David the shepherd. So David, the king in waiting, brings his harp, and at night, when the king couldn't sleep because he was tormented by so many things, so we think of a little pup tent, you know, like we'd get at Academy Sports or something. This was a big old massive tent, right? A big old tent. Saul would be on one side of it sleeping, trying to sleep. David would be on the other. I don't know if they ever locked eyes with each other, but Saul literally is right across the tent, and they would bring David in at night to play his harp and to sing to get Saul to sleep. And you're the guy that's gonna replace him. I know Mike Lynch well enough to know I'd be outside that tent going, you know this is short-lived, don't you? That guy in there, he's a goner, all right? And so that's how I'd be dealing with it, going, listen, I'm the next guy. Here's my card, all right? I'll call you in position. Would you like him army? And all those kind of things. David never did that. David faithfully served Saul who was loyal to two things. He was loyal to the Lord and he was loyal to those he served. You can never be a man after God's own heart if pride escalates over humility. Listen, don't, don't think David was perfect. David was not perfect. But David somehow kept his heart in check and said, I'm willing to wait on God's timing, not on mine. Any night, David could have walked across that tent and taken Saul's life, any night. Any night, David could have taken timing into his own hands and said, I'm tired of playing this harp. I am the next king, I'm gonna take this harp, I'm gonna wrap it around that guy's neck, right, and and take this into my time. David never did that. David chose humility over pride, where the world would say, dude, you've waited long enough. Go get it. Go do it. But David just kept serving. Like I said, so David went to Saul and he began serving him and served him for years until, until, crazy part of the story we'll get to in a couple weeks, Saul hated David. He hated him. Saul marched into town one time, David is faithful harp player, and the people were singing, the women were singing, Saul has slain his thousands. Saul's like, that's right. And then they said, and David has tens of thousands. And it said it burned in Saul. He hated David and he tried to kill him. David never laid a finger on Saul, even when he could have. Why? Because David trusted God's timing over his timing. Does that make sense to everybody? It's not how long you wait, it's how you wait. And we look at prayers in our lives and it 
You bring a prayer request to me. I'm like, man, you just need to trust the Lord. And then it's my prayer request. And I need to trust the Lord tomorrow. Lord would be really good. All right, and so that's the way my schedule works. Number three, and David believed that obeying and serving paved the way for great opportunities. David believed obeying and serving paved the way for greater opportunities. All the while, David was doing something nobody saw. God saw everything, and God sees you. Now, how you serve in the limelight. How do you serve when nobody's looking? Not how you are when all the eyes are on you. But how are you when nobody's looking at you? I remember the lectures I would get. Daniel, Daniel sitting in here, we were raised a lot alike. I remember the lectures I would get in high school going to do a job. I hated, hated. And I remember this conversation. How you do this job is gonna be how you do a job you love one day. So give it all you got. Oh, we had that conversation a thousand times. But I hate it. Nobody likes me. All the, all the things I went through as a kid because I didn't want to be there because it was a, a meaningless job of whatever it was, some crazy odd summer job. David believed that serving and obeying paved the way. Think about this. David served his dad. David served his brothers, he served the captain, he ended up serving Saul. In fact, the story the world knows. Now, most people would know all these intricate things about David's life, but they would know the story of David and who? Goliath. Most people, even if they don't go to church, go, oh yeah, I've heard of David and Goliath. They may not know the whole story, but they've heard of it. Do you know how David ended up there? Because he was obedient. Look, look with me, First Samuel 17. This is great, this is great. One day Jesse, his daddy, said to David, or we could put in parentheses there, the next king, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they're doing. Now I'll tell you how they're doing for 40 days, they had done Jack Diddley. All right, they ain't done nothing for 40 days. They, they've been there for the next war with the Philistines, and they never would go to war because they were scared of the giant. So they would gather up, they would run to the line, they would look at the giant, and then they would run. Can you imagine your favorite college football team coming out next fall and seeing the other team and not wanting to come out of the huddle because they were so scared? Would not elicit a lot of confidence, right, in your team. That's what they'd done for 40 days. And David is carrying, he's carrying Happy Meals to his brothers and to the captain of the guard. And David ended up killing a giant because he's obedient to his daddy. We all want the big stuff, but are we obedient in the small stuff? You know what? God may not choose to do great things with your life. He may do great things through one of your children's lives. Were you obedient at the home? How you treated each other? How you loved each other? Were you obedient 
when all eyes weren't on you? David somehow got it. Listen, here's the hope for all of us. Everybody look at me. Even when he didn't get it, he got it. We're not talking about perfection here. We're talking about a flawed guy who at the end of the day said, I want what's best. My pastor growing up, the founding pastor of this church, I used to say this all the time, the great doors of opportunity swing on little hinges called obedience. Obedience with our money, obedience with our time, obedience with our gifts. We all want to draw up our story a different way. But it's the willingness to do things when nobody's watching. I remember years ago, I worked at a camp in the summer with a buddy, a good friend of Steve and I, named Dave. Dave moved here from Oklahoma, didn't know a soul in Georgia. Wanted to become a speaker. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to travel around and speak. All right? Well, Dave would come live at my house in Fayetteville. I'm off at college. He would live out of my house, and he would travel around and speak for free at any church that would have him in. So he'd call a youth pastor. I'll come speak to your group on Wednesday night. Well, we only got 10 kids. That's fine. That's good. I just need to speak. And he did it all the time. About five years after that, he became one of the most sought-after speakers in America who you had to pay a lot of money to bring in. And I would hear guys say, one day I want to be like him. Okay, go speak for nothing, to nothing. And one day you can become like that. Isn't that the story of success, isn't it? How it always works, that that you do the work when nobody's watching? Well, Mike, I mean, that's Old Testament. How does it fit in the New Testament? Mark 10. Look at this. But among you, Jesus said, it'll be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your what? But whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave to everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. If pride rules your life, the only person that will remember you is you. If humility rules your life, your legacy will be remembered by everybody who your life touched. We live in a world, ladies and gentlemen, that pride is elevated and humility is brought as low as it could be. I'm telling you, if you want to make a difference in this, in this world we've been given, make it about others, not about you. Pride says it's about me. Humility says it's about others. Isn't that what David said? It's about Saul. I'm here to be faithful to Saul until God removes him. God removed Saul and elevated David. I don't know what it is in your life, but we all reach those places we go, well, That was me 20 years ago, but that's not me now. No, 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 no. It's humility till the day we leave this earth. The minute you think it doesn't apply to you anymore, pride takes over. 
And let me tell you how fast that can happen. Between Sunday and Monday. That's how fast it can happen. Between Sunday lunch and Sunday dinner. And we can find those selfish desires, man. They're, they're waging war within all of us. But we've got to remember what God has is best. Here's my prayer for you. All right, we're coming out of the craziest year ever. Can we agree with that? Crazy on steroids, crazy, crazy year. We're in a divided, hostile world. True? I mean, no matter what side you fall on of any subject, it's, it's hostile. How are we gonna change that? Humility, serving, loving people till they ask why. Why are you so different? Why are you not like everybody else? Jesus. If Jesus didn't choose pride, how can you? He was 100% God. I mean, those guys killing him, telling him, there were, get this, there were people telling Jesus he didn't know what he was talking about. Hello, all right, he wrote the book, he knew what he was talking about, right? But he chose humility over pride. And he left a mark. We're still living today, and so can you. Would you pray with me? Father, every day we choose our attitude. Every day we choose. We're gonna make a mark for us, Father, we're gonna make a mark for you. How David waited is unbelievable. God, I pray that we have to wrestle with who we are and how we live. Father, my prayer over all the people in the sound of my voice, both live in our rooms and live watching online this morning, even those that are gonna watch during the week, is this, I pray that we'll choose you. Father, I pray we'll choose to do it your way, on your timing. And then God will make a mark for your kingdom because we did. God, I pray when people think of North Star Church, they don't think of the church that asks for or demands. God, I pray they think of the church as a church that serves, even when nobody knows. God, if this building does not serve, it's the people that serve. God, may we live this out in our homes. May we live this out in our offices. May we live this out on our ball fields. May we be people that are people after your own heart. That is my prayer, and I pray it in Jesus' name.